Welcome to Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. It's the summer of 2016. It was a sticky one, August 1st. That was a fun night. Oren Blodow came and joined me in the studios at WKCR. And man, we uncorked a gem here. This is part two of three parts of this Deep Focus on the band Defunct. We'll talk about the right band for a sticky, sweaty, fun night. Uh, if you missed part one, it's not too late. Go check it out. It's available on the Deep Focus podcast, and uh, there's one more after this one. So have at Deep Focus. <laughs> That's how you end the song. That's how you end the song. That is how you end the song in the post-jazz punk funk days of 1981. The band is defunct. The radio station is WKCR. The host is Mitch Goldman. The guest is Oren Blodow. The show is Deep Focus. Hello. And uh, the subject, that which is being focused upon, is uh, defunct. And yeah. That was uh, that one little moment there that, um, speaking of Knitting Factory, that uh, Soul Coughing would take such delight in parodying in later years. But that was uh, just that ending, that little uh, crash and burn ending mm. on top of uh, such a great amuse-bouche after that uh, tight. Uh, and you're strangling me with your love. Yes. Like... Uh, fully integrated you're not just randomly strangling me with your love you are in a very articulated manner mm. strangling me with your love was that the strangling that it ended with that breakdown at the end yeah maybe <laughs> and and, and cer- certainly there's that one like you know totally chaotic section in um make them dance which is yeah. you know uh you know clearly depicts uh the the this kind of intentional, well, the, using the vehicle as a weapon to um, 
I, I guess you know. I mean, it's a. It sort of seems like what's being done is uh, the uh, the driver is is you know making class, uh, making this kind of class warfare attack um, with his vehicle and he, killing. You know, yeah. <laughs> the fantasy is that he's killing some people with his car, and you, you get some because uh, he's just slamming to them in the next red light, and then you get a lot. You get a lot. <laughs> yeah. You get a, a comparable uh, free explosion at that moment. Yeah, really nice stuff. But but you were just telling me Joe didn't always write these lyrics, yeah. which is not something I was aware of. I always thought that he embodied them for me, and and that um, Melvin told you that the lyrics are actually came. Out of the squat theater scene? Well, I don't know that uh, specifically that was squat theater scene. They used to play the squat theater. Mm. Defunct used to play the squat theater. And that was uh, it was on West 23rd Street. It was uh, another nexus of uh, art and downtown mayhem. I saw the lounge lizards there at just the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Melvin, yeah, I remember I had this conversation with Melvin many years ago, many, many years ago, back around that time of early, mid-'80s. And he told me then that uh, it was a guy named Janos Gott, mm-hmm. who is actually credited on the records, and he was the lyricist. But it's really, it's so hand-in-glove, the lyrics and the music and the themes, it's almost impossible to separate the ideas in your head. They're so perfectly intermingled. And uh, I got to ask Melvin about that again. I haven't talked to him about it in a long, long time. But um, yeah, I think he really, he was a guy that really pushed into those dark spaces, yeah. but obviously uh, didn't scare Joe Bowie off. No. Well, and, it's this Hungarian thing, man. It's, the Hungarians really have that you know, I know that the Squat Theater was run by Hungarians. Yeah. And it's because of that nexus of Hungarian, like, art, you know, downtown art people that that Jim Jarmusch and yeah. and uh, Lurie were together to make Stranger Than Paradise, which, of course, starred Esther Ballant, another Hungarian. So, it's, you know, you, you, you think you're, you're studying defunct and all of a sudden there's a, there's a lot of, like, Hungarian, like, you know, uh, you know, edgy Hungarian stuff is, you know, <laughs> appearing in the yeah. story. It's yeah. like Gloomy Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All these things overlap. You know, you don't, yeah. it's not six degrees, it's two and a half degrees, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, another little sidebar uh, Janos Gott was a gallerist and uh, may still have an art gallery in town. He was. He was in the East Village for a long time, I think, and then maybe Madison Avenue, and I don't know, kind of lost track. But uh, yeah, another another contributor. But yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a this is another the the last deep focus. Liberty Elman was up here. We were talking about John McLaughlin, and uh, we were saying that the guy's a walking PhD uh, dissertation. I think we just stepped into another one here. No. Somebody's ready to try to unpack all the uh, connections to defunct. You got um, a whole bunch of research to do. It's ready to go. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't even look at the uh, 
the label copy. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, you, you weren't a nerdy radio host. Why yeah. would you? Why, why, why would you? You're listening to WKCR Orin Blowdown here in the studio. We're talking about defunct Orin. You yourself are a uh, one man content machine these days. Mm. Grass does not grow under your feet. And uh, you're up to some really, really cool stuff, man. Can I ask you to expound a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I have my, uh, I have this group with, um, speaking of the Knitting Factory, a group that was founded at the Knitting Factory called Elysian Fields. And um, one of the things that uh, the lead singer, Jennifer Charles, and I had in common was um, we, we did we did grow up with some of the same um, groups. She is a Washington, D.C. person um, and went, uh, as did uh, my later um, employer and uh, a great uh, musical inspiration of mine. She, like uh, Michelle and Cello, she attended the uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And... Um, like me, she heard the Bad Brains a great deal when she was growing up, um, and we we both loved them. And um, there's some other groups, uh, but certainly by the time that I I met her, Jennifer also had fallen under the the spell of of Joe Bowie, and and uh, that was something that that we we had in common. We both loved, and we started this group, Elysian Fields, in those knitting, those early, you know, 47 East Houston knitting factory days, and we've had it for more than 20 years um, through thick and thin, making records, and as often happens in these stories, um, the... the, um, the our sphere of, of activities has shifted um, a lot um, over the years to Europe where due to whatever whatever factors it is um, the more arts funding or um, you know re- related things there's just uh, there's just a really favorable qu- climate for a, a lot of stuff um, and uh, you know I mean I can't say that you know I would stop in the middle of a of a different kind of concert and, you know, play a bebop tune. Um, for one thing, I couldn't. But um, but I'd like to feel like I could do that and um, and people would dig it. And Europe is definitely more of a place for that. It just feels like... Um, feels like um, you can just be everything that you are there. You don't have to... Um, you don't have to... Um, tailor yourself for a genre as much in some markets as you do in in others and and in a related story i did eventually looking for uh, a kind of a sideline to performing and touring all the time especially as you know records got um a little you know became less and less of a earning stream for me um i ended up opening uh a performance space slash bar in central Brooklyn. It's in Prospect Lefferts Gardens, and it's called the Owl Music Parlor. And 
um, it's a it's a home base for Elysian Fields, and we there's some other artists that we've thrown the doors open to. Like for instance, Melvin Gibbs had a whole month there last in February where you came in and, and did some stuff, which was really amazing. And if it had not been zero degrees, and if the place had been <laughs> maybe a little bit better known, we could have shared those moments with other people because uh, the um, the uh, the programming on Sun Ra and Vernon Reed's uh, guitar heroes um, growing up were those were really great programs. But anyway, we have all different kinds of stuff at the Owl. Some of it is is very free, uh, music oriented. A lot of the time, we have like you know great big names of uh, kind of what they consider jazz new music, and these people that seem to always show up without anything planned. It just it's the Duriger in this community. We have these amazing people come in, and they just they just make up music right on the spot, and it's phenomenal. And then we have uh, different kinds of programming that spans the gamut from you know stuff that sounds like uh, someone trying desperately trying to tune in a transistor radio and not getting anything, <laughs> to really inside songwriter stuff. And a lot of the time, people will stop by. The very frequently, people come through the door, and I, I get the look immediately. And after a few minutes, they finally work up their courage to tell me that they'd like to work there. And I'm always like, okay, well, so send, send me some stuff. And then they go on to say that they have many different projects or they have several different projects. And one of them is like the radio thing and the other one is the singer-songwriter thing and the other thing is like playing jazz. And I always say to them, you know, I, I, that's, that's great you have all these different projects. You know, this is if there's one place that you don't have to uh, break everything out into separate wheelbarrows, it's here. You, you don't need to, you know, uh, this, this. I don't know where this comes from, but it's like some kind of artifact of, of a very scared um, music world that people, people that do music in four or five different ways feel like they need four or five different projects and that's what's so amazing about defunct yes is that you get four or five different ways of doing music at the same time um I, I and they're just, not different i they're don't mean to interrupt lot. no i wish you would i <laughs> need to God. take a little moment to uh editorialize please jesus that um the owl music parlor in prospect lefferts gardens is in addition to all the great program and everything it is such a cool, cozy, comfortable spot to just be mm-hmm. and to go and hang and walk through the door and come what may. And you're going to meet some people who think like you. And whether you the music lights you up or not, you've really done something great creating this environment for that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a beautiful place. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, the... OwlNYC.com. That's our website, yeah. The OwlNYC.com, the Owl Music Parlor. And um, the address is not on the tip of my tongue, but it is on yours. Yeah, it's 497 Rogers Avenue um, between Maple and Midwood. And you can take the 2 or 5 to Sterling or the Q or B to Prospect Park and walk a few minutes to get there. Very easy. Is there like a regular schedule nights per week we always have thursday friday and saturday and um uh, if you watch the website you'll see and we also you can like us on facebook and you you'll see everything um there are occasionally wednesday and sunday events as well we're we're expanding into uh uh uh, more nights of the week as we go along it's great place to be great and you're it's interesting too there's uh fewer places that feel a little 
off off the track a little bit in a good way. Mm. You kind of have that. You got a great location. Mm, thank you. So yeah, Orrin Blowdown is uh, making music all the time. And uh, if you're just joining us, back in the Pleistocene era, <laughs> when dinosaurs walked the earth, Orrin and I were uh, trying to separately, and yet maybe the same place, the same night, staying out from uh, getting crushed under the feet of those dinosaurs and running for shelter into oddball places in the East Village to hear the band Defunct. And Defunct is still making music. Joseph Bowie living in Nederlands, in a small town somewhere there. And lively, vibrant, speaking of Facebook, hit him up, he'll hit you back. And uh, always a volume of activity from him. Um, and I believe he still plays from time to time with the same cast characters from the early years of the Reagan administration, as he was referring to in the uh, stage announcements a little bit earlier. And um, But, yeah, I think for us it's a little bit locked in amber in the early 80s, and certainly the New York of that time is. And um, But what emerges listening back to this music from 35 years ago is still this very alive, living, breathing, throbbing <laughs> being of some sort mm. with all these interesting odd tentacles grabbing onto us. And I uh, hope you're having that experience with us. We are in Berlin, West Berlin. I keep forgetting to say the Metropole. And a big venue, and people are on their feet. The band is feeling them, and they're feeling the band. It's uh, Joseph Bowie, and this was a core early version of the band Defunct. Joseph Bowie on uh, trombone. In later years, he would almost always have some congas and some percussion and get into that. He's doing the vocals as well. John Mulcarran on the trumpet. Two guitarists, Kelvin Bell and Richard Martin. Kim Clark on the bass. Kenny Martin playing the drums. And... As we've been saying, they are. This is a scary tight unit, mm. and yet they can also just throw it all to the wind when they want. So, should we go back to the stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orrin's perfect guest. He'll talk, but he'd rather be listening to music. All right, uh, it's deep focus on WKCR. Let's go back to Berlin. I wonder if they uh, went to Stuttgart on this tour. I don't know. Terry or Martin? Somebody up. My manager, please. I'm not going nowhere. We're not finished yet. Music power.
me. When you touch me. Walk that walk. You talk that talk. When you touch me. When you touch me.
Listening to WKCRFM New York and WKCR HD1 or WKCR.org or something else we haven't dreamed up yet. The show is called Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. Orrin Blodow is my guest, and we are deep. Everybody doesn't believe that we're going to have World War Three. In it with Joseph I'm Bowie. I'm tell you that it's very close. And defunct. So, if you don't believe it, it's just your happiness illusion. Your happiness illusion. Just a happiness dream. It's just illusion. Rainbow Walker. It's just illusion. Talk about happiness. It's just illusion. How oh, happiness is just illusion.
Thank you, I'm shit. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to funk, you know. Y'all gotta help me though, you know. You can help, you can help, you can help. 
Shit, just, just be alive. Uh, I wonder, well, I don't know. This is a song about somebody that everybody has, is somebody that everyone cares about. Your smooth, smooth love. Oh, I got to 
Hello, Berlin. 1981, perhaps the first visit to that city by our subject tonight for Deep Focus. Uh, the band is defunct. Our guest tonight in the studio, Oren Blodow. Oren, so happy having you in the studio with me tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Mitch. Oh, man. Wouldn't have it any other way. I'm Mitch Goldman. We're listening. We're WKCR and uh, Deep Focus, what we do, we... Uh, invite a guest, come by and uh, ask them to, I'm not going to say try to stump me or anything, because it's really not about that. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not a high wire act, but it feels like it sometimes. Um, and it was a little challenging, actually. It was more than a little challenging. It was very challenging, finding live recordings of this band. Um, the band you chose, the first thing you mentioned was Defunct, and I was thrilled, because and it seems like you and I were uh, maybe bouncing off each other. We must have been. <laughs> because there was, there was a period of some years where I, I, I barely missed one of their shows. Yeah. And uh, I think it was the same period. You know, 82, 83, 84, 85, yeah. in that area. I'm trying to remember where they... I remember... I definitely remember seeing them at Danceteria. I remember seeing them at... Um, uh, Village Gate. Um, don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I, I, I might have thought they would have played the bottom line, but that wasn't really a dance place. I don't remember seeing them there. Remember, um, I mean, they were definitely, they were, as you were saying, absolutely a, not a sit-down kind mm. of act. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember where I used to go see them. I mean, there was definitely some. There were some gigs at CBs, and I mean, I think that oh, there yeah, were yeah. there were a lot of gigs at fly by night kind of places yeah. that just didn't last very long. But somehow, Defunk would be there. <laughs> yeah. um, I can't remember what they all were, uh, but there were places that didn't last for years, and so you'd see them there, and then you you know that place would just be off the map. But I mean, just as an example of how deep into their show I was. There was a show a little bit later, I would say maybe 89, 90, something like that, at the Knitting Factory. Yeah, they, yeah the Knitting Factory was definitely a home base for them yeah. later, for sure. And at this show, um, they were they were doing Believing in Love, which we were, we were just having this conversation about belief um, here in the studio. And just, just at that moment, they had that little breakdown where they come out, why don't you believe it? And they used to end the show with that. And uh, they, um, Joe would do the, um, Joe would do all the introductions, and you know the the band would be bubbling, 
and then they would use "Why don't you believe it?" to to kick back into a high energy ending, yeah, and then yeah. and then go off stage. And for some reason, everybody I was close to the front of the crowd. Everybody on the stage missed the cue, <laughs> and I did it. And Joe looked into the crowd and he said something like, "You know, that was correct, my brother, but we're, you know." <laughs> Hold your horses or something like that. So I mean, that was what it was. That was what it was was like for you know those of us that were really you know had the zeal. It was like you know zeal. Yeah, man. Yeah, it and, was. Uh, it and more about gigs than about the records. Even though the, the records were great, you know, it was like it wasn't so much like oh, I you'd have to listen to that record over and over again. But it was like you had to make all the shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, the records were pretty close. To the live show. Records were great. And they were, I mean, you know, it was not studio craft uh, on its own terms. I mean, it was pretty much a live band playing the record. But, you know, as we've been saying, this band is so tight. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm sure there was like a lot of one take recordings for them. Yeah. Tight is an interesting word. People people use t- tight a lot. I mean, I, I definitely feel like like the horns are incredibly tight, shockingly tight. And a lot of the other things, while, while they're certainly not uh, wide of the beat, but a lot of the other things feel very loose to me in a really nice way. And uh, we were also talking about how how good um, and and brisk uh, the band is sounding, you know, quite some minutes into what's a very hot and you know sweaty and difficult show, and they really just they were just unstoppable. It's pretty incredible. And yeah, monitoring wasn't all that fantastic. A lot no. of these places too. No. Uh, I want to ask you a two part question. We'll start with part one. Um, unpack that a little bit of tight and loose. What those words mean to you what you're hearing in this group Mm -hmm. and then part two i guess or maybe it's a separate question stuff that you've taken away and brought to your music but but start with because uh what does that mean what does tight and loose mean and they're they are i think very consciously joseph Bowie is very consciously playing with tight and loose tension and release Mm -hmm. call and response all these things and and these songs have arrangements some pretty dramatic some spontaneous but um well i mean i guess you know each one has each one has its you know the each one has this like its angel and its devil the the angel of being tight is that things are very together and you know um you know if there's if they're very steady um which i i don't think defunct is not amazingly steady in terms of tempo then that means that they're the 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 group is is tight to uh to a, a time matrix that is you know implicit you know like a platonic ideal of this is what this you know the tempo should always be and that's not really that doesn't necessarily translate to a great time for an audience anyway if the you know you know it's nice when things get a little faster uh, sometimes get things get a little faster about 30 seconds into the tune and that's kind of maybe noticeable or, or whatever but you know this, these were ex- really exciting shows and you know everybody was young or whatever so I mean it, you know that the good thing about tight is you know we're really together or really together to to a platonic ideal or, or both but the bad side of tight is you know that there's there's some tension there um, 
and you know eventually tension in the music and tension in the players is 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 going to it's going to impart itself into the the body of the listener and and it wears you out you know um and and the angel of the devil of and devil of being loose is you know angelically to be loose is is to be relaxed and that's where you get that um that's where you get that that feeling that you've you know you've been sweating with this band for two hours and they're still just percolating and it that it feels good that's from loose and the the bad side of loose is that maybe things aren't so together and they start to um they start to you know you get entropy or you know chaos in in what's happening and for me the the chaos element is never never such a bad thing because they never things never fall apart very much in in defunct everyone's musicianship is so great and um the 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 pulse is is shared so widely on the stage but wow i mean you played in defunct you're going to play a lot of notes over the course oh. of of a night yeah you know um so you know those all the 16th notes um definitely uh, they wanna um you know they they if if it's going to be a, a bit of a jumble and it is a bit of a jumble um you want it to be a really pleasing jumble and what really makes that happen is this is shared quarter note so okay my my 16th note and your 16th note don't always line up exactly and they line up pretty fucking well don't pardon me uh don't get me wrong but um but you know everyone is everyone is definitely moving together on the you know, oh yes on the what they, they like to say on the one Oh yeah, no. I mean, yeah. These 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 musicians are definitely. Although it's also interesting, there's different influences coming in, different players, different backgrounds, and it's taken years of me being around the music to realize that. I mean, it sounds like one. And this is something I find is true of a lot of the best bands that it sounds like one unified force coming at you. And if you do get inside of it a little bit, or you get to know the players you realize that there are actually all these other strands weaving, weaving together to make that sound. And I think that's true here. And I'm hearing it particularly in this show. Yeah, I mean, it really is It really is a band. And there's no, while there's virtuosity, there's no hot dogging whatsoever. It's, while, while, I mean, with the exception of, you know, like, John Mulcairn, who is, you know, he's only playing busy stuff when he's soloing. And I don't know if it's, you know, busy, but it's, you know, but, you know, everybody else is is playing this really, you know, uh, or, and I guess in Joe, you know, who's singing and, and he has sort of a similar role. But if you're in the rhythm section, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blowing going on, but it's not no one is no one's tugging apart the the strands of the music at all which is actually if you once you've been around for a while you start to discover that that's actually fairly rare mm-hmm. um just because people just um their agendas are just always shifting and stuff comes into people's minds and before before you know it they're uh, 
they're, they've just gone rogue in some kind of way. <laughs> and it never, never, never happens with defunct. Yeah. There's never that sense. Never appears to. No. No, I mean, I never heard it happen. Yeah. We went to a lot of shows. Part two of my question. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one of the things I learned was not to try any, to do any of this. Like, don't do this at home, kids, you know? Like, you know, I mean, Elysian Fields is, you know, is, is one of the slowest bands that, you know, has, has, has ever come out. And, um, you know, uh, I learned, um, and I'm still learning um, to, you know, just to, to strike the instrument, you know, with much greater rarity, you know, like, you know, if my hand touches, if my hand touched the guitar as many times as Kelvin Bell's hand touches the guitar in this concert, um, I'd, I'd be done with the tour, I, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they got to come back the next night to hear yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, all those notes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's more than that. It's about whole cloth. I think is is what is really about. It's like I don't, you know, I don't really care what what rate the the music goes at, if um if it feels like it's of of whole cloth and and uh, somehow somehow this this music has the same. You you feel like you know John Lennon said the Beatles was were, the John John Lennon said that blues was music was music you could sit on and the Beatles was another version of that chair. This is another version of the chair. It's an improbable version of the chair. But you know, I mean, if you uh, look at all the great architects and design designers that have made chairs, you realize there are a lot of different ways to make a chair. And mm-hmm. Some of them are comparatively avant garde. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, you can sit on this music. Yeah. yeah, that's something I think about a lot. By the way, it's chair design. Really? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some. Uh, I don't know how far we want to stretch out that analogy, but Take you can go pretty far, man. You really can. It's interesting. And um, yeah, well, here's an aspect of that. Of a uh, chair has. An intended function, yeah, and it might. The way that it serves that function, might or might not align with how it appears to serve that function. Chair that doesn't look comfortable is not going to be comfortable, and this music, I think, it's functional music. It's dance music. It's you know something for your. You need a place. You got to have that downbeat to put your foot down, but there's also all these other things going on at the same time. It's interesting. Yeah, kind of fits with the uh, running along with your furniture analogy. I like it. Yeah. Orrin Blodow, the proprietor of the Owl Music Parlor, a fantastic music venue in Prospect Lefferts Garden, Brooklyn, one of uh, part of Brooklyn where there's still Brooklyn in that part of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not true in some of the places where I used to live in Brooklyn, but it's true in Prospect, Lefferts Garden. And um, you've got some, you didn't really talk about any specific shows. You've got some great shows coming up. 
We've got some stuff. I'm trying to think what's in the calendar. Um, you know, there's a very cool record producer and artist in the West Coast named Joe Henry. Oh, yeah. Who is, uh, he's a running buddy of uh, Michelle and Deggio Cellos and of Craig Streets and has the distinction of having uh, had uh, Ornette Coleman on, on a record. And he has a super cool son who came to New York a while back and uh, did some music training at um, the, um, the new school, Levon Henry. And he plays horns and guitars and sings, and he knows a shit ton of. Sorry, <laughs> he knows a shit ton of. I did it again, of young, um, young and talented and really interesting uh, musicians. And he runs a series at the Owl called the. Um, Floodlight Review. He usually brings in about 10 artists. Um, one of the guys that he had recently was an amazing singer-songwriter named Samora Pinderhughes. Um, I don't know if that guy's ever going to come back, but I certainly hope so because he he had um, some kind of Black Lives Matter-themed uh, original songs, stuff about... Um, you know, dealing with police uh, checkpoints and stuff that, that was just so incredibly written um, that absolutely moved me to tears. Really inspiring, really musical, really beautifully sung, really just gorgeous work. Um, and um, who else has, has Levon had? He, he's, he's had, you know, he's, he's been there four or five times. And he's coming again um, in, in, in later August. You'd have to check the owl.nyc because I haven't got the calendar memorized. But Levon's Nights, it's in the 20s of August, 20-something, 27th maybe. His 26th, try that. Um, his, his nights are always absolutely spectacular. We have um, John Ellis coming in who's playing at Dizzy's on Wednesday, very talented saxophonist. We have, oh, I can't say her name, but we have a really amazing singer-songwriter from Kansas City who now lives in Paris, and she's she's just an absolutely spectacular singer-songwriter who I met through my job with uh, Rufus Wainwright. I, I toured... Rufus Wainwright's last record, and um, I got to meet this woman. Her first initial is K, and um, it's one of those things where she's got some kind of a show, so I can't, uh, I can't give her identity away. Ooh. But if you can guess it from that, she's playing. Um, I think it's this this very weekend, and um, there's a lot of stuff. You have to come to the come to the website and. Or like us on Facebook, The Owl Music Parlor, and you'll see what's happening. Also, you know, another, uh, speaking of Brooklyn, and uh, some asked me to spread the word about, oh, yeah. a great show that I know a lot of fans of this show will be very excited about. Uh, Herbie Hancock is coming to Brooklyn to celebrate Brooklyn. I love Celebrate Brooklyn. I love to celebrate Brooklyn. Me too. And uh, fantastic outdoor venue. In Prospect Park, you haven't you haven't been to Celebrate Brooklyn. You got to go to Celebrate Brooklyn. It's 
It's great. Yeah. And uh, they, most of the shows there are free. This one is a benefit concert. Um, I think it's a benefit for Celebrate Brooklyn. And uh, Herbie Hancock, one of, I'll say, our guiding spirits for just about anything that gets played on this show, mm. um, is coming through with Robert Glasper Experiment and Jamie Liddell and the Royal Pharaohs. And uh, it's a little bit of uh, maybe handing off the across the generations and Herbie bringing uh, done some had some great shows about Herbie Hancock we've done some uh, deep foci Mm -hmm. on uh, Mwandishi and some of the other stuff that people might not realize that Herbie's been up to over the years Mm. who knows what he's going to bring but um, tickets are on sale for this it is part of Brick B-R-I-C Celebrate Brooklyn Festival and a benefit it's going to be a week from Thursday, the 11th, at 7 p.m. And uh, and I can't go. You're, you know, look. Because I've got Steve Bernstein's Millennial Territory Orchestra at the Owl that night. How late are they going to go? I don't know. But if people start, you know, you know, all you have it's to do. It's not that far. It's right <laughs> on the other side of the park. You just, you just walk down. You, you just walk away from Celebrate Brooklyn into the, into the park. Walk over the little stream, make a left, <laughs> make a right, come out on Lincoln Road, and you're a few blocks from the Owl. And uh, I'll tell you, if you guys come over after the, uh, you know, after Herbie, maybe uh, we can prevail on Steve to keep on playing. Anything I like it. I like it. Mm. I gotta 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 get Stephen back here for another uh, deep focus. Mm. We've done some good ones. And um, they get a discount if they show their uh, Herbie ticket stub, huh? Huh? Sure. <laughs> All right. All right. You heard it here. So that's a week from Thursday, the 11th, 10 days hence. Herbie Hancock at Celebrate Brooklyn in Prospect Park and Stephen Bernstein's Millennial Territory Orchestra. Either one of those, more than reason enough to switch boroughs for the night. But together, my goodness. Yeah. That's great stuff. Mm. And, uh, well, that, there I think there's maybe an encore left to that uh, Berlin show. <laughs> no idea. Let's see what happens. So this is, I'm going to tell you again, because uh, I'm going to say chances are good that you weren't listening at 6 o'clock when we started doing the show, that uh, this whole show is actually on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Everything is on YouTube now. So much stuff. Incredibly. I mean, when you were finding your way into off-center music, mm-hmm. and you probably did what I did. You scoured the library and your buddy's dad's record collection and mm-hmm. whatever you could do. And going through all the used record stores and the... East Village and wherever else. Finding music was a really big deal. Yeah. yeah. And your buddy had something that you didn't have, and you guys traded records and worn out cassettes you copied and all that stuff. And now you've got it's in your, on your phone. It's in your pocket right now, everything. But, of course, it's your mission is to go find it. But mm. dig, and you will find this show from Defunct 1981, Rockpalast, Metropole Berlin. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so a couple thousand people have looked at this. That's something. So let's go back. We're going to stop talking now. I'm Mitch Goldman, Orrin Blodow is my guest on Deep Focus. We are focusing 
as deeply as we know how on the band Defunct, Joseph Bowie and company. Oh, yeah. That is part two, Deep Focus from August 2016. We're in Blowdown in the studio to talk about Defunct. I love, I just love the level of listening that my guests bring to this music. I usually, it's usually something I already appreciate, certainly in this case, but I always get something more hearing a musician talk about music and doesn't take anything away from it. Some people seem to think like, oh, if you talk about it, that ruins the magic. I don't know. I don't get that. I just uh, find out more like it more, more things to like about it and why I like them. That's me. That's deep focus. I'm trying to share that, uh, share music and uh, appreciation for it. One more part coming your way. If you're enjoying this and you don't know deep focus, subscribe. You could find it on your favorite podcasting app. You could find us on your, uh, our hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are deep underscore focus underscore podcast on Instagram. There's a whole conversation going on there about the music. And yeah, come along. It's a good ride. Check out the rest of this show on Defunct or any of the 150 and counting other episodes we've got up there. See you over there.